Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Before we start today's episode, we would like to begin by acknowledging the Yagara and Turrbal people, traditional custodians on the land on which we meet today. We'd also like to pay our respects to their elders past and present. Hello everybody, welcome to another week of Elvis Lives, a conspiracy theory podcast. Can you imagine if we kept that energy for the entire (laughs) show? Uh, we could try it. We're not going to try okay. it because this one's going to be a long one. I have a theory today that is um, many a page. Many one, two, three, four. I can't even count one, two, three, four, five full pages of eleven point type. So this may end up being a forty minute episode, my friend. We'll have to find out. We'll like we'll find we out. might have given you an accidental. Like Julie couldn't stop. <laughs> This long episode. Welcome, listeners, to Elvis Lives, a conspiracy adventure with KB and Julie. <gasps> Why didn't we call it that? <laughs> Look, if they're still with us after a year and a half, they have already realised that they're on an adventure. They really... And thank you, if you have. I really appreciate it. For coming it. along with us. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. Well, what are we talking about today? Uh, well... We're going to talk about the very first alien abduction and the birth of all other alien conspiracy theories. This one has kind of been like a hot topic of discussion for a couple of decades. Great. I love the fact that you used birth and aliens in the same <laughs> sentence because I was worried about where that was going. But it was like the birth of alien conspiracy theories. Oh, yes. <laughs> <Not> Sorry. <laughs> not, we're not talking about half humans today. Oh, um, so unusual. Yeah, which is kind of like it spurs the question as well, is there other intelligent life out there? Which mm. I think we'd have to be silly not to think there's nothing out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's big, guys. It's really big. It is. Big universe out there. And so. <laughs> and so. Speaking of big universes, let's zoom in <laughs> to Barney and Betty Hill. They lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, rough, New Hampshire, New Hampshire, roughly a five-hour drive from New York City. And Barney was a postal worker and civil rights leader, and Betty was a social worker and a civil rights advocate. Both were very involved in their local community, dedicated followers of the Christian faith, and members of the NAACP. Barney, Barty. Okay, that's their couple name. But anyway, Barney and Betty Hill were an interracial couple, which may not seem too out of the ordinary now, Mm. but we're talking about the 1940s is when they were married. Wow. So it wasn't wasn't actually commonplace then. No. Uh, Now, there are a few things to bear in mind as we continue our little alien abduction story. Um, and that kind of, it, it pertains to this history of this couple. So, as I mentioned, they were devout followers of Christianity. So, as you can imagine, aliens were not something they would have already believed in or even considered. What I think would be natural conclusions for them would be they were potentially visited by an angel. 
or God. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be their first go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them to be convinced of an alien abduction is huge. Yes. The other point to consider is that is their relationship. Would a couple who are already kind of standing out in a crowd kind of feel comfortable about drawing more attention to themselves? Like if if they weren't already very strong in their conviction that what they had experienced was an alien encounter, would they really want more eyes on them That's in true. 1950s by the That's time? Very true. Yeah. 1950s, 1960s. Mm. 1960s. It's definitely the 1960s. And yeah, even by then it's all I've got going through my Yeah, head I knew that would spark Thanks. that. Cause now i got hairspray. Musicals taught you everything you know. Musicals did teach me everything I know, but they didn't teach me anything about alien abductions. That's not true. They taught you some things. Not necessarily about abductions, but about aliens. Mm. Next. Anyway. <laughs> let's have a... Let's, I'm going to tell you the story of their abduction. Please. So, it's... <laughs> a hefty one strap yourself in the kids september 19th 1961 at around 10 30 p.m the hills were driving back home from the trip to niagara falls and montreal just south of lancaster new hampshire betty spotted a bright point of light in the sky that moved from below the moon and the planet jupiter upwards to the west of the moon Betty brushed this off and thought that maybe she'd seen a shooting star or falling star. However, she did find it odd that it moved upward rather than down. The star moved erratically and grew bigger and brighter, so Betty asked Barney to pull over so that they could take a closer look. Should also be noted, they wanted to walk their dog, Desley, which is a great name for a dog. That is a great name for a dog. Mm. Such a good name for a dog. Um, So they stopped at a picnic area just shy of Twin Mountain. Betty pulled out her handy-dandy binoculars and saw an odd-shaped craft flashing multicoloured lights travel across the face of the moon. Once upon a time, Betty's sister had told her that she'd seen a flying saucer, so Betty was like, oh, yeah, it's probably a flying saucer. Just, like, very (laughs) matter-of-factly. Yeah. (laughs) While Barney reasoned that they must have seen a commercial airliner travelling towards Vermont. However, soon... uh, He soon changed his story because without warning, the craft descended right toward him. They quickly packed up and got back in the car and headed on a narrow mountain road towards Franconia Notch. They continued to drive slowly in order to observe the craft. Betty testified that it was at least one and a half times the length of of the granite cliff profile, which was 40 feet long and seemed to be rotating. All right. (laughs) Bigger than a mountain. Yep. (laughs) As they approached Indian Head, the objects rapidly sped towards them. And poor old Barney had to slam on the brakes mid-highway. Well, that's terrifying. It is terrifying. (laughs) The huge, silent craft hovered approximately 80 to 100 feet above the hills. Uh, Above, sorry, every time I read hills, I think of a place, but it's their last name. Mm. 80 to 100 feet above the hills, 1957 Chevrolet. Barney stepped out of the car with a pistol tucked in his pocket. Barney peered up at the craft and could see eight to 11 human-like figures peering out of a strange object. In unison, all bar one figure moved to the panel on the rear wall of the craft. The singular remaining figure seemed to stay focused on Barney. The figure then communicated a message to Barney. Stay where you are and keep looking. He said the figures were um, wearing, not earring as I've written, but wearing, black glossy uniforms and capes. Red lights on what looked like bat-wing fins began to slide out of the craft and a ramp descended. It was at this point that Barney was like, 
Uh, it was at this point. Yeah. At this point. It was at this point that Barney mm. was like, uh, fuck this. Yeah. Not his actual words. Dropping those E's, team. That was me. Um, this is already going to be an E <laughs> podcast. We always are, by the way. <laughs> fuck this. And he's like, getting out of here. Anyway. Yeah. That's how I like to imagine my head was probably more yeah. polite. I mean, I'd probably have gotten to that stage earlier on when I realised that the spaceship was bigger than the mountain. Yeah. And I would have hightailed it out of there quick smart. Yeah. I mean, they tried. In, in fairness, they tried. <laughs> he ran back to his car and screamed at Betty, they're going to capture us. The hills sped off into the night with Betty watching the ship. They hear a series of rhythmic beeping and buzzing sounds. The car vibrated and both felt a tingly sensation spread over them. At this point, they both fell into a state of altered consciousness. And when they came to, they had travelled 56 kilometres and only had a vague memory of their journey. Oh, good. The hills arrived home at dawn. But the strange happenings didn't really stop. Both experienced weird sensations and impulses. So... Betty insisted that their luggage be kept at the back door instead of its usual place. I guess for a lot of people that wouldn't seem so weird. For me, that would be super weird. Mm. So if Betty's anything like me, like if I get home from a trip, you mm. know what I do? You unpack. I put it all in the living room oh. and lay everything out so that it has to go back into its correct place. I'm I forced to put it back in its right it place. Straight into my bedroom, open it up, unpack it all, and put it. The I'm talking away. like end of the 24 hour musical. Yep, it has to happen then, or yep. it never happens. Yep. Yeah. See, so for us, yep. this is weird. <laughs> she insisted on it being in by the back door instead of its usual place. Their watches stopped working, never to keep time again. And Barney felt compelled to inspect his genitals, though he found nothing unusual. Both took very long showers to remove any possible contamination and each drew pictures of what they'd seen. They had torn items of clothing and they seemed to have a pink powder covering them. That's weird. It is. So on September 21st, Betty telephoned Pease Air Force Base to report their UFO encounter, though for, being fe- for fear of being labelled eccentric, she withheld some of the details. On September 22nd, Major Paul W. Henderson telephoned the Hills for a more detailed interview. Henderson's report dated September 26th determined that the Hills had probably misidentified the planet Jupiter. This was later changed to optical condition, inversion and insufficient data. (laughs) Okay. The report 100-161 air intelligence information record. I do wonder, like, if I was to look up into the sky and see something below the moon, I probably wouldn't be like, yes, it's somewhere in between Jupiter and the moon. Yeah, no, neither would I. I would not, like, Betty's Not smart. a clue. Betty is very smart. Betty's a social worker. She had a degree. Betty's very smart. Like she, I mean, I also studied social l- work and probably couldn't tell you where <laughs> Jupiter is in the sky. I mean, this is a lady in the, in when yes. would she have got a degree? She would have got her degree in the 50s. 50s. Yeah, she's smart. She's a smart lady. Um... Where was I? Insufficient data. Yes. His report was forwarded to Project Blue Book, the US Air Force's UFO (laughs) research project. That sounds totally legit and not sus whatsoever. Within days of the encounter, Betty borrowed a UFO book from a local library. It had been written by retired Marine Corps Major Donald E. Kehoe, who was also the head of the NICAP. A civilian UFO research group. 
On September 26th, Betty wrote to Keogh. She related the full story. Related? Yeah. Relayed? It says related. Okay. But um, let's say relayed. And I've maybe made a typo. She relayed the full story, including the details about the humanoid figures that Barney had observed through binoculars. Betty wrote that she and Barney were considering hypnosis to help recall what had happened. Her letters were eventually passed on to Walter N. Webb, a Boston astronomer of the NICAP member. And an NICAP member. Webb met with the Hills on October 21st in 1961. And in a six-hour interview, the Hills... Real, it says related again. Huh. Anyway, all they could about the re- all they could remember of the UFO encounter. Barney asserted that he had developed a sort of mental block, and that he suspected there were some portions of the event that he did not wish to remember. He described in detail all that he could remember. And Webb stated that they were telling the truth, and the incident probably occurred exactly as reported, except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any such observations where human judgment is involved, Mm. e.g. exact time, length of visibility, sizes, etc. Interesting. But shall we take just a little quick break before we find out what they found out in hypnosis? What? I lied. We're going to talk about Betty's dreams first. Okay. (laughs) So, Um. 10 days after the encounter, Betty began having a series of wild, vivid dreams. Great. That's what you want. They continued for five successive nights. Never in her memory had she recalled dreams in such detail and intensity, but they stopped abruptly after five nights and never returned. They occupied her thoughts during the day and when she finally did mention them to Barney, he was sympathetic but not too concerned and the matter was dropped. Okay. Darling, sure. you're just having weird dreams. And you're like, no, do you remember that giant fuck off ship we saw a couple of days ago? I think this was cause for concern. Uh, remember how we were driving home and then there was a blip in time and we covered 56 kilometres in like. We were covered in some strange <laughs> dust. Remember when you couldn't stop touching your balls? <laughs> oh, wait, nope, that's normal. <laughs> yet we still mention it as a side effect. <laughs> She's on fire. <laughs> in November 1961, Betty began writing down the details of her dreams. In one dream, she and Barney encountered a roadblock and the men who surrounded and the men who surrounded their car. She lost consciousness but struggled to regain it. She then realized that she was being forced by two small men to walk into the forest in the nighttime. Oh, good. And of seeing Barney walking behind her, though when she called to him, he seemed to be in a trance or sleepwalking. The men stood about five to five, f- five feet to five foot four inches tall. <laughs> it's yep. very hard to read. And wore matching blue uniforms with caps similar to those worn by military cadets. They right. appeared nearly human with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses and blushish lips. Okay. That's a word. Clearly I put this bit straight from the Wikipedia. I did, by the way. <laughs> Betty's dream. I was like, who can tell it better than the wiki? Not me. Thanks, wiki. I don't know. We never got to meet Betty. so the, Exactly. Their skin was a greyish colour. In the dreams, Betty, Barney and the men walked up a ramp into a disc-shaped craft of metallic appearance. Once inside, 
Barney and Betty were separated. She protested and was told by a man she called the leader that if she and Barney were examined together, it would take much it would take much longer to conduct the exams. She and Barney were then taken to separate rooms. Betty then dreamt that a new man, similar to the others, entered to conduct her exam with the leader. Uh, Betty called this new man the examiner and she... uh, Nope, she didn't. And said he had a pleasant, calm manner. Though the leader and the examiner spoke to her in English, the examiner's command of the language seemed imperfect and she had difficulty understanding him. The examiner told Betty that he would conduct a few tests to note the differences between humans and the craft's occupants. He seated her on a chair and a bright light was shone on her. The man cut off a lock of Betty's hair. He examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throat and hands. He saved trimmings from her fingernails. After examining her legs and feet, the man used a dull knife similar to a letter opener to scrape some of her skin onto what resembled cellophane. He then tested her nervous system and he thrust the needle into her navel. (laughs) I was like, "Uh uh-oh, if you're going to say the word thrust, this can only end poorly. And there we go, straight into the belly button. Oh, that's like one of my fears. Bam, bam. Someone touches you my can belly button feel it. and I like With punch that. him in the face. Yeah. Oh, don't. That's my most sacred part of me. Yeah. You can touch literally every other part of me before you touch the inside of my belly button. No, nobody should touch the inside of anyone's belly button. <laughs> what? What are you doing? I feel like we're both going to come back the next time we record me. Like, so someone touched my belly button. <laughs> Not even. What? <laughs> anyway, which caused Betty agonizing oh, pain. Of course it did, because it's causing us somewhat pain and we're not doing it. I was thinking about it. <sighs> the leader waved his hand in front of her eyes and the pain vanished. No, nah, still there. I waved. <laughs> it's not even a pain, it's just a <sighs> very uncomfortable. The examiner left the room and Betty engaged in conversation with the leader. She picked up a book with the rows of strange symbols that the leader, she said, could take home with her. She also asked where he came... No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. I'm, I'm reading where, like, I'm ahead of myself somehow. <laughs> asked where from, from where he came and yeah, he pulled no. down an instructional map with dotted stars. In Betty's dream account, the men began escorting the hills from the ship when a disagreement broke out. The leader then informed Betty that she couldn't keep the book, stating that they had decided that the other men did not want her to even remember the encounter. Mm. Betty insisted that no matter what they did to her memory, she would one day recall these events. She and Barney were taken to their car and the leader suggested that they wait to watch the craft's departure. They did so, then resumed their drive. So the hills began to suspect Mm. (laughs) that their subconscious was worth kind of giving a little looking into. Probably. So Barney was like, hold on a hot second. I take it back. Let's not pipe this for now. Let us actually be proactive about it. Let me take my hand off my penis for a second and we'll get some hypnosis. I just don't know what happened. We saw aliens and now all I want to do is have some fun with myself. (laughs) Uh, They say inspecting, but like... (laughs) I was just inspecting myself, Mum. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) They were referred to... um, So they, they did. They agreed to hypnosis and they were referred to Benjamin Simon of Boston. 
I like how it just says Boston, Boston. Not Boston University, just Boston. Benjamin Simon of Boston. Of Boston. The first met, nope, they first met Simon on December 14th, 1963, and Simon determined that the UFO encounter was causing Barney far more stress and anxiety than he was willing to openly admit. Yeah, <laughs> it does, doesn't it? The other penis tugging him into me. Anyway, I've got to stop making dick jokes. Though Simon dismissed the popular extraterrestrial hypothesis as impossible, it seemed obvious to him that the Hills genuinely thought they had witnessed a UFO with human-like occupants. Simon hoped to uncover more about the experiences through hypnosis. Ooh. <laughs> How are we going, Julie? We're going good. And we're, we're actually not that far from the end. Like, and, and we've only just hit 20 minutes into the episode. Oh, guys, enjoy the next 20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Simon hypnotised Barney first. His recall of witnessing non-human figures was quite emotional, punctuated with expressions of fear, emotional outbursts, etc. He was not happy. You're not happy about You're it. Not. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be either. Barney said that due to his fear, he kept his eyes closed for much of the abduction and the physical examination. And based on these early responses, Simon told Barney that he would not remember the hypnosis sessions until he was certain he could remember them without being further traumatised. Right. Which is nice. That's nice. Yeah, that is. Under hypnosis... um, as was consistent with his conscious recall, Barney reported that the binocular strap had broken when he ran from the UFO back to his car. He recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but that afterwards he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods. He eventually sighted six men standing in the dirt road. The car stalled and three of the men approached the car. They told Barney to not fear them. He was still anxious. I'd be more than anxious. I'd be terrified. I would be shitting myself. I think if there was at any point in my lifetime I would avoid all liquids from my body, it would be now. (laughs) Uh, Not now, now, but like. Yeah, but like if you were in that situation. Alien encounter now. Now, please don't. Keep all bodily liquids inside you. (laughs) Um, however, he reported that the leader told Barney to close his eyes. While hypnotised, Barney said, I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes. Uh, no. Like physically uh, or no. like spiritually? Let's not even discuss that any further. <laughs> Barney described the beings as generally, generally similar to Betty's hypnotic not dream recollection. The beings often stared into his eyes and Barney with a terrifying mesmerized Stared into his eyes, said Barney. Haha, <laughs> I can't read. With a terrifying, mesmerizing effect. Under hypnosis, Barney said things like, Oh, those eyes, they're in my brain. And I was told to close my eyes because I saw two eyes coming close to mine and I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes. All I see are these eyes. I'm not even afraid and they're not connected to my body. They're just there. Great. They're up close to me, pressing against my eyes. No, gross. <laughs> Just gross. I can see it like in my peripheral. Katie's just like slowly declining. Just done. She's powering off over there. I'm not sleeping tonight. That's what's happening because all I'm going to see is bloody eyes. You'll be fine. Barney (laughs) relayed that he and Betty were taken onto the disc shaped craft where they were separated and he was escorted to a room by three men who told him to lie on a small rectangular exam table. A cup like device was placed over his genitals. He did not experience an orgasm, though Barney thought that the sperm sample had been taken. 
The men scraped his skin and peered in his ears and mouth. A thin tube or cylinder was inserted into his anus and quickly Did removed. Did you say peed into his... Or peered. 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 <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Took a look-sees. You just totally... Moved on from that one. The men Pitch. scraped his skin and took a looksies in his ears. That help you? <laughs> yes. I was just like, uh, what? A thin tube or cylinder was inserted into his anus and quickly removed. Someone felt his spine and seemed to be counting his vertebrae. Betty reported a conversation with the leader that she understood in English and Barney said that he heard them speaking in a mumbling language that he didn't understand. Yet he was he also understood them in English. Betty also mentioned this detail and there were a few times when they communicated with him. Barney said it seemed to be as like a kind of thought transference because he didn't know that telepathy was a thing at that time. Mm. Or is a a name. How come Barney got so much more done to him? He didn't really. He didn't get a needle through the belly button. He didn't get a needle through the belly button. He just got some sperm sucked out through a tube. Like that's okay. Tube up his bum. I would rather... My sperm sucked out with a little needle and a tube up my bum than anything <laughs> penetrating my belly button. Yeah, true. Yeah. True. Yes. Any already open hole is fine. <laughs> I think I've just revealed too much about myself. <laughs> Both Betty and Barney stated that they hadn't observed the being's mouth moving when they communicated in English with them. He recalled being escorted from the ship and taken to his car in a daze and he watched the ship leave. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Under hypnosis, Betty's account was similar to the events of her five dreams about the UFO abduction, but there were also notable differences, mainly pertaining to her capture and release. The technology on the craft was also different. The short men had significantly different physical appearance than that of her dreams. The sequential order of the abduction event was also different from the dream account. Barney's and Betty's memories of the hypnotic regression were consistent with one another but contradicted some of the information in Betty's dreams. Betty exhibited considerable emotional distress during her capture and examination and Simon ended one session early because her tears were flowing down her cheeks and she appeared distressed. Yes, I mean it's very distressing. If your dreams have been embedded in your memory by the, your alien captors, of course they're going to make it all very nice and yeah, calm just, and wonderful yeah. so that you remember things very nicely. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? Even if none of this was real, if, if they truly believe it was real, it's very distressing. It's very distressing. If I woke up from a dream tomorrow where I was convinced that I actually had been taken by a UFO, I wouldn't be like, chill. No. I would not be chill. No, I would not expect you to be chill. (laughs) Oh, dear. Simon gave Betty the post-hypnotic suggestion that she could sketch a copy of the star map that that she described as a three-dimensional projection similar to a hologram. Eventually, she did what Simon suggested. Although she said the map had many stars, she only drew those that kind of stood out in her memory. Her map consisted of 12 prominent stars connected by lines and three lesser ones that formed a distinctive triangle. She was told the stars were connected by solid lines. Sorry, she said she was told that the stars connected by the solid lines formed trade routes, whereas the dash lines were to less travelled stars. So old mate Simon, yeah, who's doing these hypnotherapies slash 
psychotherapies. Mm. Um, after the hypnosis session, Simon speculated that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was possibly a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Yes. Simon thought that it was the most reasonable and consistent explanation. Barney rejected this idea, noting that while their memories were consistent in some regards, there were also portions of both their narratives that were unique to each. Mm. Barney was now ready to accept that they had been abducted by the occupants of the UFO, though he never fully embraced it as Betty did. Right. Because he was just like being a bitter old man about it. Yeah. Didn't happen. No one captures me. No one touched my penis. Nope. (laughs) Other than me. And my wife. Occasionally Betty. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. The Hills went back to their regular lives and they were willing to discuss the alleged UFO encounter with friends, family and the occasional UFO researcher. But the Hills apparently made no effort to purposefully seek publicity or fame. On October 25th, 1965, a front page story in the Boston Traveller asked, UFO chiller, did they seize the couple? Reporter John H. Lutterell of The Traveller had allegedly been given an audio tape recording of the lecture the Hills had made in Quincy Centre in the late nineteen in late nineteen sixty-three. Lutterell learned that Hills and that the Hills had undergone hypnosis with Simon, and he also obtained some notes from that, which Simon not cool. No, no. Anyway. Apparently they were given to UFO investigators. So mm. he's like, Can I just have those that you got from Simon? Okay, thanks. On October 26, United Press International, UPI, picked up Lutterell's story and the Hills earned international attention, which they claimed they went after. Mm. I didn't want this. Now everyone thinks I'm crazy. In 1966, writer John G. Fuller secured the cooperation of the Hills and Simon and wrote a book, The Interrupted Journey. About the, this exact case. The book included a copy of Betty's sketch of the star map. And the book was a quick success and went through several printings. Later in life, Betty claimed to have seen UFOs a number of times after the in- initial abduction. And she became a celebrity in the UFO mm. community. Barney died of cerebral hemorrhage on February 25th, 1969. Oh at the age of 46. was very soon after. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and Betty died of cancer on October 17th, 2004, having never remarried. So that's kind of where their story wraps up. But there is still some scepticism to be spoken of. Still? Yeah, so some unnamed psychiatrist later suggested that this supposed abduction was a hallucination brought on by the stress of being an interracial couple in the early 60s in the United States. Betty was like, that's bullshit. Mm. Uh, Noting her relationship with Barney was happy and the interracial marriage caused no notable problems with their friends or family. As noted in The Interrupted Journey, Simon thought that the Hill's marital status had nothing to do with the um, UFO encounter. So the guy that was like in charge of psychoanalyzing them was like, nah, they're fine. Yeah. It's good, 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 good. Uh, skeptic blogger Brian Dunning noted that the high uh, hypnosis sessions occurred over two years after their reported abductions, which afforded the couple plenty of time to discuss the encounter. This is also true. Also true. Uh, when a different researcher asked Betty about the outer limits, she insisted that he'd never heard of them before. Mm. What, what? Um, Cottermeyer also pointed out that some motifs in the Hills account were present in the 1953 film Invaders from Mars. Interesting. Mm. 
A careful analysis of Barney's description of the non-human entities that he observed reveals significant similarities between the Biff Frost Man and Barney's descriptive details. One must also take into account that Barney's conclu- conscious, continuous recall of the entities he observed on the hovering craft. They were dressed in black, shiny uniforms and were somehow not human. Uh, many a people are calling the BS on this one. Yeah. I don't know. I just, as I said at the beginning of the episode, they were a very Christian couple. Yeah. And coming from a Christian background, people of faith don't tend to jump to aliens too quick. No. They would, before aliens, be like, it's a sign from God. Yes. And then when God penetrates your belly button, then you have some more questions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then uh, the fact that they were an interaction, I don't think they wanted to draw more attention to themselves. No. But I guess there are other possibilities at that particular time of other groups of people who might want to do research on whatever. True. True. I don't necessarily know that they um, had any financial gain from this either. No. They didn't, there was no mention of them, you know, making any like money off stick this. Stick to your story for like 50 years. Yeah. Oh, Betty was, till the day she died, this is what yeah. happened. Yeah. And yeah, the fact that he died of a cerebral hemorrhage eight years after it, after the abduction. Mm. So, that's so close. But I'm not saying it, it is or it isn't a thing, but I do believe that they truly believed they yes. were. I believe they believe. <laughs> I believe they believe captured by aliens. And if they were, fascinating. Fascinating. We have, uh, <laughs> we have delved into quite a number of alien conspiracy theories here on the podcast. Not bad. And every single time I'm always like, plausible. Plausible. We don't know what's out there. Remember me defending alien blood like two weeks ago? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Still not buying that one. <laughs> just the fact that we don't know what's out there. No. And to assume that we're the most intelligent life forms in all the universe? No, mate. Do not believe that. No. I believe we are an intelligent life, or life form sometimes. Can't talk today, so maybe not. Um... But yeah, I like to think there is other things out there that maybe have a bit more advanced technology. And I like let's yeah. go explore Earth. Like we don't know, they might be dying out. They might be looking for other ways they to like. We need be. more, more, more of the peeps. I mean, it's not like we aren't exploring other planets. Correct. So That's right. it makes and we're just <laughs> because we've ruined ours. We need more places to live. To the moon. To the moon. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Let us know what you think, guys. If you particularly enjoyed this episode, if you're like, yeah, aliens about it, I'm uh, all about the navel penetration. How did I know you were going to go there? Because <laughs> you were looking at me, giving yeah. me the eye of, you're going to go there. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, as well now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let us know. You found us on your favourite podcatcher, so you've got that nailed. You can rate, review, subscribe there, unless you're on Spotify, in which case fall asleep to scary alien stories. I'm about it. I do it frequently. Um, explains so much. <laughs> oh, like you don't fall asleep to true crime, Katie. I don't fall asleep to true crime. Oh, I do all the time. No, it gives me nightmares. Oh. I don't. I, I don't listen. I'm, I fall I'm asleep. asleep within like two minutes. I fall asleep to New Girl. Aww. Me 
makes sense. Last <laughs> night I fell asleep to how did this get made? <laughs> Usually it's Hamish and Andy. Find that soothing, you know? Guys, feel free once you've caught up on yeah, our episodes sorry, to tangent. catch up on any of these podcasts other than you go, it's a television series. Um, but um, <laughs> I mean, I've not watched it, so I'll catch up on it. Um, we also have Facebook and Instagram, Elvis's Podcast, and you can email us, elvisespodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you want. If you're like, just come on, just cover X, Y, Z. Yeah, why haven't you done time travel yet? I oh, know that's coming. Oh, that's coming. It's coming. Guys, what? I can tell you when it's coming. We can tell you when it's yeah, coming. November. November. We're so close. We're so close. Probably should start doing homework. It'll probably be, to be honest, the amount of time travel stories that pop up. It'll probably go November, December. Yeah, we could take you through to Christmas. Yeah. We might even get like a Christmas time travel in there somehow. Definitely. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Anyway. Till next week. Um, Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.